we thank you so much for your presence tonight, your power. Lord, we ask you right now, just over the word of God, the importance of the, the preaching of the word. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word. And Lord, I'm asking you that through this series, Lord, that you would anoint me fresh and you would speak through me what you want spoken. It'll go out, Lord, and it'll produce faith. Let it go out as living seeds of truth sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Spirit of God that will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. Lord, let your word go out as light shining in any dark place and dispelling any type of lies of the enemy, any deception. Lord, let your word go out as a hammer that breaks down any strongholds of the enemy. Let it go out as a sword that cuts away what needs to go. But let your word go forth in power, anointing, and accomplish everything you sent it forth to do. Lord, we ask you, we need eyes to see and ears to hear so that we can get this as rhema, a word from heaven, that we can get this in us and we can become more established in faith and, and Lord, that we can grow in our faith. Lord, we thank you for it, Lord. We believe now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to talk about the healing ministry. I'm really just doing an introduction today. Talking about healing for today. You know, the whole point of this series, how many of you guys ever heard that old saying that says, if you if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day? You guys ever heard that? But if you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. That really is where I'm going with this series because... If I simply pray for somebody and they're healed, there's been people that have been totally healed, but something's come back, you know. But you've got to teach people how to grow in their own personal faith and how to possess the promises of God for themselves. So in other words, you can come to church and get a breakthrough, but and that's wonderful, and I believe in that, and we need to do that. But this series is going to be different than just teaching on that. Because I can teach on that, talk about words of knowledge and, and laying on of hands and expecting and all that. But I'm going to go deeper than that. I'm going I'm to teach people in this series, how do we grow in faith? How do we possess the promises of God? How do we ourselves begin to get to a place where we can um, come into divine health? I believe that there's a place of where the Bible talks about, uh, I desire that you be in divine health and prosper as your soul prospers. I believe there's a place in that. And I want to help all of us to get there. Amen? So that's where I'm going with this. So today I'm just laying some groundwork. I'm going to do my best to explain this. But wherever you're at in the faith level, God wants us growing in our faith. I want to next year have more faith in my life than I do this year. So that means I'm going to have to grow in faith. Next year I hope to be more humble than I am this year. Because I've got to grow in humility. Next year, I want to know the Lord more deeply than this year. So I'm going to have to grow in that. So the point is, is that we're all in this process of going from glory to glory, from faith to faith. We're going to new levels. And in this series, I want to help people to get to that place of, of where you're perpetually growing in faith. Because a lot of times, people wait until there's something bad going on. Then they want to start growing in faith. And they want to learn... Well, how do I get healed now? How do, now that there's a sickness, you know? How do I get a miracle now, now that they're going through something? And in the midst of what they're going through, now they want to learn about it. But in actual fact, it's one of the worst times to try to learn about it because you're so distracted by what's going on. 
So what would it be like if now we start growing in our faith and, and we get to a place where, when those things come, there's a faith in our hearts that is anchored that will help us weather the storm and come through it victorious. That's what I'm talking about. I believe in these last days we're going to have to have faith. We're going to have to have faith to be protected from things. We're going to have to have faith about a lot of situations that come up. There's just a swirl of activity going on as Bible prophecy is being fulfilled. And we've got to grow in our faith and be established in faith. All right, so let me give you a few things. Number one, healing is connected to the presence and the power of God. Did you know that? Healing is connected to the presence and the power of God. The presence of God is His manifest presence, His glory. And you can feel that as we worship. You feel that thick presence, that heaviness that comes. Okay, that's the presence of God. In that there's healing, but also His power. And let me read to you one of my favorite scriptures about healing. Luke 5, 17, it says, One day Jesus was teaching... And there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And listen to this. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick, to perform healing. Isn't that awesome? The power of the Lord was present. It was in the house. You know, when Jesus taught the the disciples to go out two by two he told them when you go into a house speak peace be in this house and he said if there's a man of peace there that peace what you spoke that blessing that peace will go in and settle on that house but he said if if there's not a man of peace there it'll come back on you but you need to leave and go somewhere else it's interesting there were certain places jesus wanted to be Did you know whenever he would travel through a certain area, he would always stay with Lazarus and that family, remember? And it's interesting to note that also there was a house that they tore the roof open to lower somebody down. But nonetheless, he was in that house. He went to that house. That was somebody's house. When you and I get to heaven, we're probably going to meet the guy that that was his house. And he's going to say, oh, yeah. Let me tell you about it. And he'll probably tell us a lot of stuff that we didn't even know because it's not written down. But all that happened when Jesus was in his house. That's why I'm telling you it's so important that God's house is in order. And that things are the way they're supposed to be. Because when the Lord comes to a house, peace be unto this house. He's going to come into a house where things are in order He's not going to come and dwell in a place full of strife, fighting, bickering. People hate each other. People are at each other's throats. There's all this division. There's all this backbiting and gossip. Jesus will go toward that house and see what's going on, and he'll go down the road to the next house. You see what I'm saying? So it's important that things are in order and things are the way they're supposed to be so that Jesus can come into an atmosphere that's peaceful and his glory and his, his power can come in and bring healing. All right. The glory cloud. Did you know in the scriptures there's, there's a glory cloud? Did you know that in Azusa, man, I tell you what, I don't know if you guys read that little book I suggested, but there was a, a little book, a couple dollars, by Tommy Welchel called They Told Me Their Stories. You can get it on Kindle. Like I said, it's like $2 or something. 
And I read through these stories, and I mean, it stirred me up. They were talking about that there was always a, a, uh, a like a smoke of God's glory that was there all the time. And that they would come in, and you could see on the floor what we know today would be almost like a smoke machine went off, and there was this smoke on the ground. It was the glory of God was always there, 24-7. It never left. The, all those years, they had revival. And Brother Seymour actually lived in that Azusa Street. He had a room upstairs, but he lived And they said that whenever Brother Seymour would come down and he would tell them, let's worship in the Spirit, and they would all start singing, worshiping in tongues. Now, back then, they didn't have PA system. So you had this one guy on, you know, just this little piano. But they said that, man, they said when he started playing that piano, it sounded like an orchestra went on. And they said when they started singing in the Spirit, they said... The best way to describe it is it's like it's like something split open and the angels were singing with them and it sounded like this beautiful chorus. It was the craziest thing. They said there was just the people that were there, but it sounded like so many more. It was like heaven invaded earth. And they said that as they would worship in the spirit, that cloud that was always on the ground would rise up and it would kind of fill the whole atmosphere and it would begin to glow and shine. And some of the people that described that glory said, man, it was crazy because, you know, when you walk through, you guys have done this, whether it be some kind of a smoke machine or fog or something, and you walk through it, you can see it moves. When you go through it, the wind you're producing will move it. They said this stuff moved on its own because it's God's presence. You know, they would walk through it and it would not move, but then you would see it move toward this side of the room. And and they said it would move on its own. And one guy, when he was young, he thought, I'm going to bottle. This is a true story. If I'm going to bottle this stuff. So he goes to church and he has one of those, um, you guys remember those little jars that they used to use to make preserves? He took one to church and he thought, I'm going to bottle this stuff, you know. He goes in there and uh, he goes on the floor and he bottles it up, you know, and he takes it home. It didn't work. It didn't, it didn't stay in the bottle. Because see, God's presence, it's not like smoke. You know, smoke would have stayed, but it was. But here's the point I was making about that. If they did, if God did it then, he'll do it again. And that glory cloud that was there, Azusa Street saw some of the most remarkable, amazing miracles you could ever imagine. They were telling story after story. They said almost every single night they had a a major miracle, at least one major miracle, almost every night. They had people, that one guy had his arm ripped completely out. Even the shoulder blade ripped completely out of his body. That They sat there just like you're watching me, and they watched that arm grow all the way back. And fingernails form on the tips of the fingers. In front of them, they watched it happen. But see, there's something about being in that type of glory, that presence of God that brings healing. It's an atmosphere for healing. It's an atmosphere for the miraculous. And the next thing is the anointing or the power of God. The power of God in the Greek is dunamis. And it's where we get our English word dynamite. And it's explosive. The dunamis power of God is like an electric shock. It's like an explosion of power that will hit somebody. And that's what happened to the woman with the issue of blood. She fought her way through the crowd, saying to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his prayer shawl, if I could just grab that tassel, she said, I know that I'll be healed. And and she crawled through that crowd, made her way through, and she grabbed the corner of that prayer shawl, 
And what she did, it said healing virtue shot through her body. Power shot through her. And it was when Jesus, it says that Jesus felt that power leave him. And Jesus, here he is walking along and all these people are all over him, I'm sure. And all of a sudden, he's just walking along with his disciples, being around him. Probably they're trying to be bodyguards, you know. They're trying to be like the Secret Service, but it's not working. And they're trying to help him through the crowd. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops and says, hey, who touched me? And the disciples are probably like, Lord, are you serious? There's been 35 people in the last minute that have touched you. He said, no, somebody really touched me. And he turned around, and there was that woman down there. And she had been healed. Why? Because the power of God shot through Jesus into her body and healed her up there. That's the power. So my point is, is that in the presence of God, the glory, there's miracles, but also the power of God, the anointing. When you pray and there's a dunamis power that is released to bring healing. And I believe, we've seen healings, but I believe this ministry is about to go to a whole new place of miracles, a whole new place of healing. Y'all help me pray into that. I believe we're going to see a whole new level. And I believe as I preach on this, it's going to produce a lot more faith as well. Now here's the next point I want to make is that faith needs to be present. But I don't want to teach it in a way that God won't heal somebody that doesn't have faith because we know that he has healed many people that didn't have faith. So you can't make it a rule of thumb and say, well, they have to have this great faith. That's not true. Jesus has healed sinners. Jesus has healed people that had little faith. In fact, Jesus healed everybody that came to him, even those that he said, oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> you know, he still healed them. So the Bible says you just need faith the size of a mustard seed to move mountains. So it doesn't take huge, enormous faith, but we do need to have faith. And what happens is, is that as more and more miracles are happening, as testimonies are being told, as things are going on, it causes people to have more faith. And that's why I believe a lot of miracles happen. Like, for example, at a Benny Hinn meeting, it's, it's important because Brother Benny's very anointed, obviously, as the gift of healing, you know, really strong in his life. But I believe when people come, all these people come expecting miracles. And you get thousands and thousands of people all together expecting miracles. What happens? Miracles explode everywhere. So that's something we need to be praying for is that all of us are going to a new place of faith because where there's faith and expectancy, miracles are just exploding. So let me go through this. This is not a long sermon. This is just an introduction, but I want to show you levels of faith, and I want to show you how all of us need to grow in our faith. I would say that today I definitely have more faith in my life than I did, you know, five, ten years ago. But I want to have more faith in the future. So there's a growing in your faith. There was one guy that um, was angry with this one preacher. He's a powerful man of God, a lot of healings. And he was angry because he had heard all these testimonies of people being healed. And so he went home, he prayed, and he didn't see the miracle. And he came and he was angry at the preacher. And the preacher said, look, he said, for years, I've grown in this faith, you know, and, and I've my faith levels established in this. And he said, you can't just hear one sermon per se and just go out and expect that everything's just going to happen like that. He said, you've got to grow in faith. Your faith level's got to come up. And I think about somebody like Reinhard Bonnke. I mean, do you really think when he started in the ministry, they say 20 years old, and he's preaching in some little hut, 
and he's got 10, 15 people, do you really think that he had the faith at that moment in his life to believe for one million people to get saved in one meeting? But Reinhardt, as as he went and he would see 100 people saved, then he could believe God next week for 150. Then he could believe God for 500. Then he could believe God for 1,000. You see what I'm saying? And eventually he could believe God for the millions. So the first level that I want to talk about is a very dangerous thing, and it's the level of unbelief. What unbelief is, is where people have seen evidence. They've seen maybe miracles, and they refuse to believe. It's the people that will watch a program, and there'll be healings taking place, and they'll sit back and go, I don't believe any of that's real. Those that have more of a scientific mentality about it, that if I can't touch it, if I, if I can't explain it away or whatever, they've got this attitude that everything can be rationally explained away. And they'll never believe that an actual miracle took place. Do you see what I'm saying? It's an unbelief. It's a spirit of unbelief. Now listen to what Jesus said. Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of the miracles were done because they did not repent. Miracles are to see people saved and see people repent. Jesus said, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will descend to Hades, for if the miracles that had occurred, uh, miracles that occurred in you had occurred in Sodom, they would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Now think about that statement. Jesus told a city in, in Israel, he said it would be more tolerable on judgment day for Sodom and all their homosexuality and all that that was going on there sexually perverted, it would be more tolerable for them than it will be for you. Why? Because of your unbelief. So in other words, Jesus was saying that unbelief angered him and angered God even more than sexual sins. Think about that. How many people have an attitude of unbelief? How many uh, churches and denominations and, and they now have accepted that God no longer does any miracles in our day. They believe that. It's called cessationalism. They believe that it's gone. It's, it's over. That God has ceased doing the miracles. This is a dangerous realm. The next realm I would talk about, though, is the realm of little faith. You guys remember the story of Mark 9, 21-37, the demonized boy. And Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. His disciples tried to cast the demon out. They didn't get the demon out. And so the father, therefore, had um, issues with doubt. And Jesus had come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and the father said to him, says, Sir, if you, if you can, will you heal my boy? And Jesus' response to him was, if I can, what is that? But he still healed his boy. 
But see, what happened was the father saw the disciples could not get it done, and he began to doubt. This is the area of little faith. Now, let me give you a couple things. Because Jesus' disciples could not get the job done, it resulted in doubt in the Father. Now, let me turn, just shift gears right here just for a moment. How many knows that some sicknesses are natural, but some sicknesses are caused by demons? Now, look at the boy that was demonized. It was a demon. And Jesus had to cast the demon out, and when, when, they, when he did, the boy was healed. And many times, it says in the Bible that some demon left somebody, and then they could do something they couldn't do before. In fact, even the woman it was, I believe, that was hunched over and had this major back problem, and Jesus released her from a spirit of infirmity, and she was able to stand upright. Remember that? So this boy actually had a demonic spirit that was causing the sickness. And when Jesus drove out the demon, the boy was healed. So let's let's think about this for a moment. Some sicknesses are caused by demons, so here's some signs that it could be. If someone thinks that they might have a spirit of infirmity or a spirit of death or something that's afflicting them, the questions that you could ask yourself is, do you feel more sick when going to church? Or is there something that's trying to prevent you from going around church or to healing ministries or something like that? You feel it flare up. Or does it seem to leave and come back? Because if it leaves and comes back, leaves and comes back, that's that's a demon. It's not a natural thing. It's not a normal sickness. Does it seem to move from one part of the body to the other? So you have a problem in one location. Then you get prayer. And it runs away from that location to another location. Okay. Or another sign could be that doctors cannot really diagnose it. They don't know what's wrong. That could be a sign it's a spirit. Where, you know, natural medicine should work, but it doesn't. That's another sign. They say that, you know, a doctor gives somebody something, and I mean, the studies show A, B, then C. I mean, this should, and then it's like it doesn't work at all, and they're wondering, we don't know what's going on. It could be a spirit. Now, demonic sickness has really increased in America in the last couple decades, and I'll tell you why. See, in other countries where... Uh, South America, Africa, India, they, they for you know centuries really have practiced dark arts and, and they've done things where they've gone to shamans or whatever and they have alternative medicine. And because of that, they've come across and you know contracted, so to speak, demons in their lives that are afflicting them. But see, here in America, though, for the last couple decades, really going back to the 60s, people have turned to alternative medicines and other things like that. And it's starting to become more prevalent in our nation. So now there's more demonic sickness than there used to be. And I would say a lot of mental illness and a lot of incurable diseases are caused by demonic bondage. Not all, but I'm saying a lot of it. So in the realm of little faith, Do you remember the leper that asked the Lord, Lord, if you are willing. If you are willing, faith. See, Jesus came across people that said, Lord, if you can, or if you are willing. That's in the realm of of little faith. So the realm, first off, of unbelief is dangerous. But then you get into the realm of, of little faith. And this is where people just aren't really sure. Can God... 
even if he can, will he? That's more in the realms of little faith. People with little faith still get healed, but it's still a little faith. And so whenever you start praying about something, whether it's a healing or anything else, the key is, is that you're persistent and that you don't give up, but you press all the way through to the victory. Because we have to see, uh, seek God until we get the breakthrough. So if you pray about something that's, I'm just using physical sickness because I'm dealing with healing, but if you're praying about something in life and you're not getting an answer, instead of start making up false doctrines, why not ask God, why am I not getting the breakthrough? Because see, what you've got to resolve it within yourself is this. God's never wrong. And so the problem is never going to be on his end. Now, I know that that bothers some people a little bit because they're like, well, I've tried everything. But the problem is never God. It's never on his end of the equation. And those that maybe that bothers them, let me ask you this question. Do you want to worship and serve a God that can be wrong half the time? Think about that for a minute. Of course not. We want God who's never wrong. We want God who never lies. The Bible says that God... He's not man that he should lie, and he's not the son of man that he should change his mind. He is God Almighty. He doesn't change. And what he said, he meant. It's in his word. And so you can't base doctrine on your experience. This is very important. I remember one time I was just teaching a series on faith back many years ago at a church where I was just simply on staff. I wasn't the pastor or anything like that. But there was a guy sitting out there. And he was, he was just fuming. This guy kind of had an anger issue anyway, but he was just fuming. And I remember thinking, what is this guy's problem? I mean, we're just talking about faith here, you know. And come to find out that he had had a sister that had something wrong with her, and, and he had prayed for her. She didn't get healed, and she ended up dying or whatever. So he hated anything taught about faith because in his mind it was false and, and he just was really opposed to it. But what he had done is he had set up something within himself that now opposed a certain aspect of Scripture based on his experience where if he would just humble himself and let it go and realize, look, that I don't know why she wasn't healed, but I know that God's not wrong. I know that God's not a liar. So we missed it somewhere, but I'm not going to blame God. If he would have just humbled himself and said, maybe... Maybe I can grow in faith. You know, maybe my faith level wasn't where it needs to be. Maybe I can grow in faith. And if he'd have had that humble, teachable heart about him and would have learned and grown in faith, maybe the next time something came up, he would have saw a miracle. Is this making sense? How many people out there have prayed about something and they didn't get a miracle and then they got bitter with God, they blame God and they hate God and they take it out on him and now they're atheists or something? But see, God's not the problem. So what I would say is, let's say we're praying about something and we're not seeing a breakthrough in the physical body and you're believing God for it, you're not seeing the breakthrough, then instead of getting mad at God and blaming Him and making up false doctrines, why not seek God and say, Lord, what is it? Could it be an inner healing issue? Did you know there's people that have physical problems because they have an inner healing issue? They're actually 
inner healing issues where somebody was had a broken heart, they were traumatized, they were wounded in life, and now they have a physical problem that's connected to it. And I can give you a couple stories. There was a, a show that used to come on where this guy would bring families together that were estranged from one another. And there was a lady on there that she was in stage four cancer. And there was two different stories. My wife and I talked about this. Two different, complete different stories where uh, both people had cancer. But anyway, this lady had stage four cancer. She was dying. And she was had been estranged from her daughter for, for many years and many years. And she had blamed herself for things. She was, she was really just brokenhearted over the whole deal. But anyway, this guy reunited them. And through that, the mother... It brought some kind of a healing to her emotionally. Did you know that her cancer just simply went into remission? It wasn't that they didn't pray about anything. I don't think they were Christians. But it was just simply that her broken heart had been healed emotionally, and therefore her physical body changed. So my point is, is that sometimes physical problems can go back to an inner healing. And if people will let Jesus heal them in their heart first, it may very well heal their physical body. Could it be that maybe that we need to grow in faith? I don't understand why people get so upset about that, but they do. You suggest to anybody, well, maybe your faith level could come up. You're liable to see them just blow into a rage, you know. What? It's as though there's Jesus and then there's them when it comes to faith. As though they, they've got the greatest faith that there's ever been. I mean, they, what it is is really just pride. You know, you hurt their pride. But truthfully, all of us can grow in faith. There's been times I prayed about something and I did not see it. And I know that as I grew in faith that I saw the same things. I saw miracles later. But it was I needed to grow in faith. And I'm humble enough to admit that and say I want to grow in faith. I remember one time hearing this story. There was somebody that came down to get healing at a church. And the guy was up there to pray for him. And he said, look, he said, I don't have faith for this. Is there anybody here that has faith for this? <laughs> and somebody said, I do. And they came down. Listen, they came down, they prayed for him, and they were healed. I mean, he just was being honest. So it could be that we need to grow in our faith some. Or it could be that we need a greater level of anointing. Man, the anointing can increase over time. The anointing on my life now is far greater than it was 20 years ago. And I'm hoping it'll be greater in the years to come. But the anointing, as the, that level of power goes up, then there's going to be more miracles. That's just the way it is because the anointing is what brings the change. It could be, what if it is that you need to break a generational curse? Did you know that generational curses are very powerful in this area? They're very serious. There's things that traffic down bloodlines in the way of sicknesses, diseases, mental issues and other issues like poverty and other things that can travel down a family line and you need to break that. And when that's broken, then radical change can come. But that can hinder healing. It really can. Or it could be that God just simply needs to reveal something to us that will unlock the miracle. If people will really seek God for... This is what I'm trying to tell you in this sermon. Grow in faith, but also seek God for the answer. There was one woman that had contracted, um, it was uh, cancer in her breast. And she was really seeking God. Lord, 
what how can I get the healing in this? What is the deal? And the Lord spoke to her and told her, said, you have unforgiveness for this person. She forgave them. And this is a true story. It just disappeared. It just simply disappeared. So instead of blaming God for things, we need to ask God, Lord, show me what I need to see. What is it that's going to unlock this miracle for me? Where am I missing it? I mean, we pray and we believe, and then if you don't see it, instead of just, ah, oh, give it up, don't do that. Say, keep seeking God. Show me what is hindering this. Give me revelation. And God will show you, and then it'll unlock it. So this is the realm of little faith. Now let's go to the realm of strong faith. Strong faith is like the woman with issue of blood. She had heard testimonies. How many of those testimonies increases your faith? She heard that people were being healed. And so she had faith. She had an expectancy. She was not sitting around going, if you can, Jesus, or if you're willing. No, she, she wasn't in that realm of little faith. She had an expectancy that if I can get near him, and if I can just grab his clothes, I'm telling you, I will be healed. She had an expectancy. And when she did, the power of God flowed. But listen, it was in this case, it was her faith. It was interesting because there were times that Jesus just prayed for people and everybody was just healed. But in this case, Jesus did not pray for this woman. Jesus didn't even notice the woman. She snuck up from behind him. It was like a stealth attack. She was creeping through the crowd and laid hold of his garment and she was healed, but it was her faith that grabbed that miracle and pulled it into herself. So reaching out for a point of contact where healing flows. See, in this realm of strong faith, you have people like the man that was at the pool, Bethsaida or whatever, wherever wherever it was, when they would stir the waters and the first person in would be healed. Remember that? There's people that have faith and they go from meeting to meeting to meeting where there's somebody that operates in healing and they're, they're, they're wanting to be healed and they go with an expectancy and that strong faith, but they're not always healed because it's also contingent upon what God's doing. Does that make sense? And what I want to take you to, though, is this, is great faith. Great faith. There was only a couple people that Jesus said about them that they have great faith. And one of them was the Canaanite woman. Interesting. A Gentile. Somebody that was out of covenant with God. But yet, in the Bible, she's probably one of two. I'm thinking of the centurion. But she was the only one out of two that Jesus said, you have great faith. Think about that. Out of all the people that were healed and all the people we have recorded, Jesus only said it about two. And she was one of them. And she was a Gentile woman and her daughter was demon-possessed. But she understood that it was a covenant between God and man. It was a covenant between God and Israel. And she understood that covenant. And, and Jesus told her, and he wasn't trying to be mean when he said this, but he said it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to their dogs, talking about the Gentiles. But she understood that it, two things. She understood if she would humble herself. Humility. But she also understood Lord, even the dogs can eat just the crumbs from the table. And Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. 
you go, it's done for you. Let me tell you about humility. Humility releases grace. David Hogan said something I'll never forget. He has a great healing ministry, and he's seen many personal testimonies in his personal life of healing. And he said this. He said, if I can humble my soul in prayer and I can humble my body in fasting, there's nothing that won't happen for me. There's nothing that won't happen. But he said, I've got to humble my soul in prayer and humble my body in fasting. He put the emphasis on humility. Now, isn't that scriptural? Because Jesus said, or the scriptures say, rather, if you will humble yourselves and pray and seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, heal your land. There's healing that flows. And see, your land is the landscape of your life. So in other words, Lord, as I humble myself and I pray and I turn away from my wicked ways, show me what I'm doing wrong, I'll repent and I'll seek your face. Then the Lord says, I'll come and I'll heal the landscape of your life. Whether you need healing in your spirit, your healing in your soul, healing in your children, healing in your marriage, wherever healing needs to take place, I will come and heal you. But it's as you humble yourself and pray and seek his face and turn from your wicked ways that he'll hear and come and heal. Does this make sense? It's the landscape of your life. But the Canaanite woman understood humility, but she also understood covenant rights. And that's what I'm going to close with in just a moment is that we've got to understand our covenant rights as children of God. And it's got to be true heart faith. It cannot be just a mental agreement. See, too many people go to church and they'll hear a sermon. They'll go mentally, I agree with that. Thank you. But that's not really deep faith yet. That's just mental agreement. It's got to get from your head down into your heart. It's got to sink down into your heart, into your spirit. And once it really gets in there, then it produces true faith. And heart faith is what sees miracles. So let me go back over this and I'll close with heart faith. It says this, the different faith levels. Number one, no faith, unbelief. Those that do not believe God work supernaturally now, unbelief, and unbelief angers God, to be honest. Then you've got little faith. These are those that doubt and wonder if God can or if he will, like the doubting Thomas. But God can still work with that because there's still a little faith there. You see what I'm saying? God will work with what people have. Then number three, there's strong faith. These are people that go from meeting to meeting expecting to receive from God. And many of them do receive. But this last one is what I really want us to move into. And it is in the realm of great faith. Those that have a revelation of the atonement, they understand that by his stripes I'm healed. They understand that the Spirit of God is living in them. And the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your body. And they believe that their lives are lining up with the promises of God and they believe they lay hold of it in prayer and in faith. That's where I want us to go. I want us to go into great faith where we understand covenant with God. And this is what I want to close with is this. I'm believing God that as we continue to go deeper in our personal prayer life and all this, I've, I've actually made something I'll share tonight with you guys, but as you go deeper in prayer, as you as you meditate on the scriptures because how many knows this listen as you're meditating on the word of god 
And as you're speaking it out of your mouth, and you do this day after day, it gets down in you, and it produces great faith. And when you get this great faith, that's when things really start happening for you. But great faith is something that comes from being persistent. And this isn't something that anybody can do for you. This is something that we've got to do for ourselves. You know, what I'm going to teach you through this series really totally revolutionized my life, totally changed my life. And it came out of personal trials, and it came out of a time where I had to get grounded in the Word to to just simply be sustained. Because Satan was trying to mess with my mind a lot, but I had to I had to get grounded in the Word of God and anchored in the Word and and anchored in what I believe. And as I as I meditate on the Word and spoke it over and over, it produced a great faith in my heart about those scriptures. It got down in me, and it changed my life. But what I'm telling you is this. It's something that you're going to have to do for yourself. You know, we preach things from the pulpit, but the Bible says this. Jesus taught a parable, and he said that people that hear my words and put them into practice are like those that build their house on a solid rock, and it's firm in its foundation. And when the storms come, it's not moved. But he said people that hear my word, but they don't put it into practice, He said their house is built on sand. And whenever storms come, the house collapses. And he said, and great will be that crash. That's why some people go through some of the storms and it's hit so hard is because they haven't really established things on the rock yet. What I'm telling you is this. As I preach this series, there's some things that you're going to have to do for yourself to, to grow in faith. And it's in your personal prayer life. So as you take communion on a regular basis, as you meditate on the scriptures, God told Joshua, he said, you'll have success if you meditate on my word day and night. As you confess the word of God, as you speak the scriptures out loud, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. <clears throat> as you begin to do that and you, and you get deep down into your spirit, a revelation that I really am the righteousness of God in Christ, I, I am made holy because of his body and his blood. And you get deep down in you a revelation that I really understand that by his stripes I am healed. You get a revelation in you that Jesus hung on that cross and became a curse for you to deliver you. You get a revelation that the blessings that were given to Abraham are yours now. Do you understand that they're yours now? Did you know that you can bring them upon yourself now? Right now it's available to you. But it's something you've got to do. You can't just think, well, it'll just, it'll just happen on its own. No, it's something that you pull down unto yourself. Lord, I thank you. I've received the blessings given to Abraham. Come on my life. And I'll talk more about that another time. The power of taking the Lord's Supper and remembering the body and blood of the Lord and what he paid for you. And also the names of God. One of the names of God, Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Rapha, my healer. But understand, laying hold of these promises and getting them down in you As you do that on a regular basis, it develops a deep heart faith. And I'm telling you, as the way you think, the Bible says, as a man thinks, so he is. So as you get this in your mind and you meditate on it, it becomes who you are. That all of a sudden now, people that grow up, for example, without money, a lot of times have a poverty mentality. And they've got to break that old mentality and get a mentality of success. 
and prosperity. Why? Because Jesus is with me and he's going to bless me. And the Bible says so. But that comes from renewing the way you think. People that have a poverty mentality will always look at things like, well, I can't afford it. And, and they'll always have this mentality that they've got to buy some junk or they've got to just... And they're expecting things to go bad. They're not expecting things to be successful. You see what I'm saying? But you meditate on the Word of God and all of a sudden your thinking begins to change. And you can actually believe God for things like healing and, and success in life. And then also as you speak the Word of God over your life. Did you know the Bible says life and death is in the tongue? And as you begin to speak the Word of God over your life, and I remember recently, um, again, talking about David Hogan, I saw him recently preach, and I didn't know anybody else did this, but for years I had put together, and I, I did it for you too, I'm going to share these tonight at the end here, but I put together all these different scriptures and things that I pray on a regular basis. And I pray and I speak the Word of God over my life. And I've noticed that my life began to change according to what I was speaking over at the... See, your mouth is what changes things. As you're speaking the Word of God over your life, it changes. This is huge. This is so important. And I remember hearing Brother David say, you know, he said, and I thought this too, he said, I thought everybody just knew that and just did it. But he said, come to find out, not too many people do. And he said he had compiled all these scriptures and there were some people that needed help praying and he just sent it to them and said, here, just use this. And they wrote him back and said it totally revolutionized their whole life and ministry because they began to pray the scriptures over their life. They began to speak it over their life. So as you meditate on the word of God and as you speak it over your life, your life will begin to alter and change to what you're thinking and speaking. Is this making sense? And pretty soon out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. It will come from your heart. And you really believe it. You expect it. So Jesus taught this about when he came, he helped us understand this. He said, look, he said, the thief, speaking to Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Think about those words. To steal from you, to kill, and to destroy. Those three words. <clears throat> so Satan comes to steal. He comes to physically kill. And he comes to destroy people's lives, destroy relationships bring destruction that, that damages people's financial status. He comes to tear up marriages. He, that's what Satan does. But Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundant. You see, people, things don't go well and they get mad at God. You need to understand, you need to start blaming the devil for what the devil's doing. Quit blaming God for what the devil's doing. How do you like, I mean, I'm not trying to defend God because he don't need it, but I'm just saying, how do you like it when people blame you and you had nothing to do with it, you're getting all the blame. God has nothing to do with a lot of these things, and he gets blamed for stuff. And 3 John 2 says, I pray that in all ways, in all respects, that you may prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. And we've got to come to an understanding, listen to me, that God, it's in the scriptures, that God's desire for you and I is that you prosper and that you be in health. That's just God's desire. It says it in the Word of God. God's desire for you is that you're prospering in life and that you're healthy. And you've got to also settle it within yourself that every single person that came to Jesus was healed and delivered. Every person that came to Jesus, He healed them or delivered them. He never one time ever said to them, 
go back home. I'm not going to heal you. I'm not going to deliver your kid. You know, I'm not the, all, all of you, hundreds of people, thousands of people follow me. You're hungry. I'm not going to feed you. He never did any of that. He always met the need every time. And so you've got to resolve it within yourself that that is who Jesus is. And just because we're maybe praying about something and you're not seeing it yet, that doesn't mean that you change the way in your mind that now you're creating this doctrine or something that Jesus is different than what he actually is. Don't do that because you're only going to damage yourself. You've got to believe he is who he says he is. His word is real. And as you really get grounded and established in that, you're going to see the fruit of it. And so this is something I put together for you guys. And um, those that are going to you know, watch this sermon at a latter time, it should be on the website. It should be there to download. And it's something that you could take maybe to a Kinko's or something like that, have them printed off, 11 by 17, laminated. It's very inexpensive to do. And, and you could have it for yourself. But I want to offer it. Um, as much as I can for free, but I'm also going to ask that people help a little bit with this because there was some cost with it. But I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to shut down recordings, and then I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, okay? So, Lord, I thank you so much. Let your word get in us. Let us get established in the faith. Let us get grounded in the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You shut down recordings, Brother Zach. And y'all hold on. I want to talk to you about something.